Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. So we're at uh, Luke 11, and the title of the message is A Response That Demands a Response. That's the message title. A response that demands a response. And I'm calling it that because in this text, Jesus gets challenged by two groups of people. And he doesn't back down from the challenge. He doesn't run from the challenge. He actually steps into it. He gives a response to the challenge. And his response demands a response from us. So if you look at verse 14, it says, Now he was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon came out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. So Luke tells us here that Jesus is working. He is helping, restoring, and healing. He drives out a demon from this man. And right away, it tells you a couple things. One, it tells you that demons are real. That's why I pray that there is, a, there is a demonic realm in the world that is very real. But what you got to understand, when he says that, that Jesus drives out this demon, that the demons are no match for Jesus Christ. And here's this another reminder that people can be possessed by demons. You know, all week I was kind of thinking, like, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to talk about demons. And honestly, I was like, this is the one sermon I was like, I, maybe I should give it to Shay on. Because you, you just we live in a world where people are like, oh, that stuff is just kind of whatever. That's not true. Who believes in all that kind of... But that is, it's very real. Demons can possess people. Some of the people in our world doing some of the worst and most wicked things, trust me, they're under demonic influence. Now you look at this text and it should make you ask a question. And the question is this, can Christians be possessed by demons? The answer is no. Because the Spirit of God is in you, and light can never be overtaken by darkness. Here's another thing that should encourage you. The healing of this man shows that one day Jesus Christ will heal all people dealing with disabilities. That your body will be restored. And so you got to understand, if you're living with a disability, you need to know that it's not going to be like that forever. That we live in a world that is broken, but it's going to be healed and restored in every way. And the other thing you got to understand is, if you're dealing with a disability, you're not less than anybody else. You are loved by God. You are still made in the image of God. You are valuable to God. And that reminds us as a people that we always treat people who are dealing with disabilities with dignity and respect. We love them, we include them, we never exclude them. We love them the way God loves them. 
So Luke says that the crowd is amazed. But I want to tell you, it's not all love. And not everybody is amazed. Look at verse 15. It says, but some said he drives out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. So here you got some people now. These people are slandering Jesus. They're like, what he is doing is being done by, by a demonic and evil spirit. And verse 16 says, and others, as a test, were demanding a sign from heaven. So now you have these people who are skeptical. They're like, we want more signs if you want us to believe in you. And let me tell you, both of these people expected Jesus to fold like clean sheets, but he didn't. Jesus said, no, no, no. Let's reason for a minute. Verse 17 says, knowing their thoughts shows you that Jesus is God. He knows what they're thinking. He told them, every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his, how will his kingdom stand? For you say, I drive out demons by Beelzebul, and if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, I had to work on that word all week, by whom do your sons drive them out? And that reference there, by whom do your sons drive them out? Jesus is talking about the disciples, because remember, previously, they had gone out and were driving out demons. For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his estate, his possessions are secure. Watch this, though. But when one stronger than he attacks and overpowers him, he takes from him all his weapons he trusted in, and it divides up his plunder. Anyone who's not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Jesus looks at him, he says, your argument makes no sense. He's like, why would Satan fight himself? He says, he's actually fighting someone way stronger than him. Jesus in this parable is the strong man. And notice what he says he is doing to Satan. He is attacking him. Look at the text. Attacking him. He is overpowering him. He is taking his weapons. He is dividing his plunder. And the freeing of this man leaves no doubt. Think about this man. He was mute, limited. And Jesus comes and he just says, you, out. Freeze him just like that. This, this, this reality that Jesus is defeating Satan is, is clear to all. You are a representation of that reality. The existence of disciples around the world is a, an, a, rea- a, a declaration that Jesus is in charge and Jesus is putting in work. His response shows that Satan, his kingdom is being completely destroyed. When you think about Satan and Jesus, you got to think, Jesus is in attack mode. See, God here, the text is showing you, God has broken into our brokenness. And what he is doing is he is taking people back from the kingdom of Satan. That's why Jesus says here, says in verse 20, the kingdom of God has come upon you. He's, he's, he's like, the kingdom is here, and it's working its way through the world. And notice he also says that he is, he is doing his miracles by the finger of God. And you're like, why are you showing me that? 
Well, I'm showing you it because it's actually a reference to Exodus 8, verse 19. And if you know what's going on in Exodus, there is a wicked, evil, demonically influenced Pharaoh who is destroying and harming the people of God. And Moses comes. And through Moses, God does all of these miracles. And Pharaoh's magicians are trying their hardest to do it just like him. And then eventually, do you know what they have to admit? They have to admit that everything that is going on through Moses is being done by the finger of God. That God is at work, that God has come to rescue his people out of Egypt, and that there is nothing Pharaoh can do to stop it. So when Jesus makes this reference, he is saying the same thing is going on now. That God has come into our world, into our brokenness, to rescue people from darkness. He is bringing them into the light, and there is nothing Satan can do to stop it. I say it all the time because I love it. I tell you, Jesus is like a young Mike Tyson. And all he is doing is giving Satan body blows. And there's nothing he can do to stop it. Jesus here is telling you that a new era has begun. And the response he gives demands a response from us. And here's the response. You should respond with praise to God. See, our spiritual enemy is strong, but our God is stronger. You respond with praise. Satan is trying to destroy us, but here you see God come to rescue and protect us. Here's another way we respond. We tell people that in this battle that is going on, no one is neutral. Everybody is on a side. You're like, where are you getting that from? Look at verse 23. Anyone who is not with me is against me. And anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Jesus says every single person is on a side. You're either on the side of God or you're on the side of Satan. And we tell people that not to sort of shame them. We tell them that to encourage them to run to God, to run to the side that is winning, to run to the side that will win in the end because to be against Jesus is to be in a very dangerous spot. And so we speak lovingly and truthfully. Verse 27 says, as he was saying these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. This woman's like, amen, right? She believes in talking in church. Jesus is, is preaching, he's doing it, and she's not afraid. We can learn from this lady, right? Don't be afraid to lift your voice. I take every opportunity I can to say that. Toronto North is a talking church. She says, amen. She lifts her voice. And Jesus uses this as an opportunity to clarify. He says, verse 28, he said to her, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
Blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. That phrase, hear, is actually challenging you to make time for the word. To get in front of the scriptures. Lots of things can take your attention. Trust me, I know. It's just sitting in your pocket right now. Just drawing us away from from the word of God. But we got to find a way to get into the word. And the, the phrase, the word, keep it, reminds us that we have to do what the word says. Because here's the thing. When the word is in us, it protects us when spiritual attacks come. Let me say it because I, I want you to remember it. When the word is in us, it protects us when spiritual attacks come. Look at verse 24. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through the waterless places looking for rest and not finding rest. It then says, I will go back to the house that I came from. Returning, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. Jesus now gives an illustration of the danger of rejecting him and rejecting his word. I want you to notice the house is in order, but the house is empty. It's swept. It's clean. There's nothing in it, which means something good has to go in. Turn to your neighbor and say, what should we put in? Come on. What should we put in? You want to know what you put in, Vivian? You put in the word of God. The scriptures have to go in. And the Bible makes it clear. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. You say it. You say it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, when the word is in you, your life is ordered, your life is organized, and the demonic influence that try to come back have no place to to settle down. Cannot influence you. Cannot drag you away from the king and his wise way of living. And so you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It settles into your home. It settles into your life. It settles into your habits. And you're protecting yourself. Verse 29 says, as the crowds were increasing, he began saying, this generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign. Now what Jesus is doing here is he's responding now to the skeptics in verse 16. See, first he responds to the people in verse 15. Now he responds to the people in verse 16. Demands a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. He says, for just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be a sign to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And he says, and look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment when this generation, with, with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And look, Something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus looks at them, he's like, you want a sign? You want more sign? You want more miracles? And here's the thing too, when these people, this verb, when they say they want more signs, it's actually, 
in the Greek language, they have no intention of ever believing. Jesus can never do enough signs. And so he looks at them. Remember the text says he knows their thoughts. He knows what's going on. He's like, you want signs? You're getting no more signs. The only sign you're getting is my preaching. That's what he says. The call to repent and believe the gospel and embrace Jesus Christ. He's like, that's the only sign I'm going to give you. And when you do what Jesus says, do you know what it does? It protects you from judgment. It protects you from the judgment to come. Just again, you, you'll understand it if you think about Jonah. Jonah goes and preaches. And he warns the people of Nineveh. He says, judgment is coming. And if you read Jonah, go home and read it. It'll take you about, what, 20 minutes? You realize the people are like, what? And they repent. They believe what Jonah said. And they repent. And do you know what happens when they repented? God, because he is merciful and kind, showed them mercy. And here's what you got to know about the Ninevites. They're some of the worst people in the Bible. And they repented of their sin, and God was merciful to them. And Jesus looks at them, and he says something greater in verse 32 than Jonah is here. And Jesus is greater than Jonah in every way. Let me just tell you, Jonah ran from his call. Remember the cat sleeping in a boat? He ran from his call. But you know what Jesus does? He runs to his call. His call to give his life, to rescue you and me from sin. Jesus does not shy away from that. Jonah was racist. Jesus condemns racism and speaks against it. Jonah preached with indifference. He actually did not care. Even after when God showed them mercy, he was upset. God's like, what are you doing? Laying here under this plant all bothered. Don't you, why, why are you mad that I love those people over there enough to show them? Jonah was indifferent. He, he wasn't even happy when they got mercy. Jesus looks at you and preaches to you and to me with compassion and kindness and he rejoices and he celebrates every single time some of us, one of us comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is better than Jonah in every single way. Loves you. And so he looks at these people who are doubting him and he says, if those people listen to foolish Jonah, Oh, yeah, Yoke. It's my dog over there. (laughs) How much more should you listen to me? See, because when you listen to Jesus, here's what you got to know, my brothers and sisters. You're listening to the wisest man who's ever lived. That's why he says something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus gives the skeptics wise advice. He says, repent. If you repent, you will receive mercy from God. And what Jesus does and did for the skeptics back there, that is what we do for skeptics now. We have to have the courage 
and the compassion to look at people who are outside the faith and say to them, I love you, and I'm willing to tell you, you have to repent. Because judgment is real. But God is a God of mercy. And when you turn and repent, he shows mercy. We call people to repentance. We call them to trust in Jesus Christ because that's the way we save ourselves from judgment. There's a word here for us too, though, another one. And it's this. We have to be people who practice what we preach. If you're going to tell somebody, if I'm going to tell somebody that you need to repent, that you need to turn, then I have to be a person who's also repenting of my own sin. But disciples are repenting people. That's why the Bible says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. We repent until the king comes. Because we still struggle with sin. And repentance, again, is the way to healing. It's the way to mercy. It's a way to protect ourselves and to keep our relationships healthy. In verse 33 says, No one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar or under a basket. You wouldn't do that. But on a lampstand. So that those who come may see the light. It says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it's bad, your whole body is also full of darkness. Verse 35, take care then that the light in you is not darkness. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. Darkness. Jesus says the eye is the lamp to the body. And when your eye is good, it's all good. When your eye is healthy, you're healthy. See, here's what you got to understand. Things go in through the eye into the mind. And so the things that we put in front of us are not neutral the things that we put in front of us are, is influencing us. The things that you put in front of you, because this is a section in Luke where he's talking about discipleship and how disciples behave, the things you put in front of you are, are discipling you. They're telling you how to think. They're telling you how to feel. They're telling you how to behave. They're actually creating habits in you and in me. That's why Jesus says, again, verse 35, you should mark it. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. Like Ice Cube said, this is a check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of verse. Because what it's doing is, it might be telling you that this week you need to review your life. You need to look at the things you're watching. You need to look at the things you're reading. You need to look at the sites you're visiting. You need to look at the people you're following. 
You need to look at the podcast you're listening to and ask yourself, are those things bringing darkness into my life or are they bringing in light? Are those things pulling me towards demonic influence? Are those things even being influenced by satanic sort of thinking? Or are they bringing in light? Right? Some of us, if, we, if, our, if our Netflix playlist was to show up back here, it wouldn't be too good. And I got convicted of that hard this week. And I'm saying it because it's serious. And I'm saying it this way because I want us to realize it is not, this isn't your soul. It's not a game. And there is a spiritual battle going on and Satan is trying to pull you away from the king, to pull you away from the one who loves you, to pull you away from the one who only means to do you good. And one of the ways he does it is through media. Through some of the things that were like, this is just enjoyment, this is just entertainment. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you gotta go shut everything off. But we need to be a people who are discerning enough and ask the question, is this light or is it darkness? You might be laughing when when you're watching it, but it's doing something to you. And we take it seriously in the context here. Jesus is comparing his teaching to light. He says, my word, the things I tell you, that is the lit lamp to put on a lampstand. The things that I tell you, that is the thing to get into you more than anything else. Because again, the word of God disciples us. See, when the word is in us, it keeps us spiritually healthy and it makes us shine. You didn't say amen. When the word of God is in you, it keeps you spiritually healthy and causes you to shine. Look at verse 36. If therefore your whole body is full of light, so if the teaching of Jesus Christ is in me, it's filling me up every single day. I'm making time for the word. I'm letting that wash over me. I'm letting that influence me. I'm letting that guide me. I'm letting that be the main thing that I hear more than anything else. If I'm full of light, it says, with no part of it in darkness, it says, it will be entirely illuminated. You're shining. As when a lamp shines, it's light on you. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we talk. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we invest and spend our money. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we manage singleness and dating. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we serve. When the word of God is in us, we shine in our business practices. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we forgive. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we treat our employees. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we support and love each other. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we raise our kids. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we disciple one another. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we behave in marriage. When the word of God is in us, we shine in the way we navigate and deal with tough times. 
The word of God is shaping you. It's guiding you. It's blessing you. That is the thing to get in you. Amen. The response of Jesus shows us the blessing of hearing and doing the word. The spiritual battle is real. But know that the kingdom has come. That our Savior is winning and has won. And until the kingdom comes in full, we have the word to guide us, to help us, and to protect us from the spiritual dangers that are there. Don't let Satan fool you. This life's not a game. And you have the best weapon to fight. Let's stand and pray. Father, we give you praise because you have not left us without a word. We exalt you. We praise you for your kindness because you lay the scriptures down to tell us what we need to know. Satan wants to blind us. He wants to hurt us. He wants to fool us. But here's your word exposing him. Exposing lies. But also opening our eyes to show us the reality of what is truly going on around us. I pray we'd be a people this week that gets into the word just this week, but every week, knowing that it's good for us, knowing that it helps us, knowing that it guides us, knowing that it grows us, disciples us in the right way. This is the way to stay healthy. This is the way to shine. And Father, we thank you that because we're in you, because the Spirit is in us, there's nothing Satan can do to us cannot snatch us from your hand. He cannot stop us from where we're going. He cannot stop what you're doing in us. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Let's give God praise for that reality. God, we give you all the glory. Anoint us in a fresh way as we sing and give you praise now in Jesus' name. resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.